0: If I was going to drive through Brookside, Alabama, would you have advice for me? Uh, don't. John Archibald is a columnist at Alabama.com. <laughs> don't at all? M-
1: my advice to you is don't.
0: But you know, the And thing the reason he Alabama, is warning Alabama. you to stay away from Brookside, a small town just outside of Birmingham, is simple. It's the cops. If you're driving,
1: uh, the only reason you would go that direction is if you're going from, say, Birmingham to... Memphis or something like that, on Interstate 22. But they've managed to acquire a mile and a half of police jurisdiction on the interstate. So that's where they make their money.
0: Making money from pulling people over on the highway is not news. But the way the police in Brookside do it that is.
1: And I've covered a lot of communities like this that did the same sort of thing, but just never quite on the same scale. I mean, half of your city budget coming from fines and forfeitures, nobody can look at that and say, uh, that's the way, you know, government was designed to run. It's interesting in Alabama because a state legislator years ago was arrested, was ticketed twice for speeding. He he had a law passed that said, uh, you know, towns under nineteen thousand cannot issue speeding tickets on the interstate. Um, That's a very bespoke law. Right. Uh, But the police here get around it because they they can't stop you for speeding. So if your tag light's too bright or your tag light's too dim, they'll pull you over. And if you're following too closely, they say, or if you're driving too long in the left lane, they say, they will pull you over.
0: Brookside is a small town. There is one commercial building, the Dollar General. It's mostly known for its annual Russian food festival. But within 24 hours of publishing an article about the way the cops seem to be bilking motorists for cash, John's inbox got flooded.
1: It's just unprecedented as far as I've seen from people who, when you reach out and say, has this happened to you? And And it's just an avalanche of, yes, this happened to me.
0: For people who don't live anywhere near Brookside, Alabama... Why pay attention to what's happening in this small town?
1: Um, because uh, Brookside is an extreme example of the type of policing that's going on all over this country. There's no greater way in which your rights can be infringed but by being, uh, you know, prey uh, to someone with a badge and a gun who uh, simply sees you as a way to pay the bills.
0: Today on the show, the story of how easy it's been for a single police department to turn a mile and a half of highway into an ATM, and why no one stopped them along the way. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. Like a lot of places with lower tax revenues, municipalities in Alabama need to get creative to raise money. But the small town of Brookside stands out. When John Archibald started writing about the criminalization of poverty in his region, a number of sources kept pointing him up the interstate and saying, there's something going on over there. That's when he started pulling Brookside's legal documents
1: you know there's always a moment in reporting where the hair on the back of your neck just kind of lifts up and you understand oh my god this is something important and and i think just looking at over the city's audits they they, they hadn't had a budget forever until last November but they have they had been audited and looking at the audits and they had fines and fees broken out and When it went from, I think in 2018, um, they had somewhere in the range of $80,000 in fines and forfeitures, which which made up 14% of the city budget. And then the next year it doubled. Hmm. And then the year after that, by comparison, it had grown 600%.
0: So fines and fees from the police were... Making up a huge chunk of the city budget.
1: By 2020, it was 49 percent of the budget. So when you said that moment, seeing half the city budget comes from fines and forfeitures, that that was the moment that said, "I've got to concentrate on this." And and let me just back up and say, between 2011 and 2018, when this change in the police department began, 18 was the year when change began. Brookside had reported a total in that eight-year period of 55 crimes, but none of them were homicide or rape, uh, if any, were robbery, it was one or two.
0: So this is a safe town.
1: Right. They're, according to their own reporting, there was essentially zero serious crime in this town.
0: So at the same time that there's no crime, the police department is growing and growing, and these... Fines and fees are stacking up. Right. In the years since 2018, the distribution of fines and fees has skyrocketed in this town. Vehicle towing has gone up by more than 1,000 percent. 1.7 tows for every household. Arrests have gone up, too. By 2020, that meant more misdemeanor arrests than the town has residents.
1: This is an extreme case in Brookside, Alabama. It's an extreme case where, you know, they have 1,253 people and um, at, at least 10 police officers on full-time and part-time officers as well, which is is crazy. And they just line, uh, you know, 1.5 miles of the interstate. They will find any reason they can to pull you over, and then they'll bring out their dog, dogs. They have two drug-sniffing dogs, one, named Canine Cash. No kidding.
0: <laughs> in case there's any doubt about what that dog's doing. <laughs> right,
1: right. They're not subtle. Let's put it that way. Um, and and they'll bring them out and, and you know, they'll uh, keep the driver in their car for a while, talking to them, sniff the car out, uh, find some reason to um, charge, whether they find, you know, lack of insurance or whatever they can find.
0: What's interesting about your reporting is that you talk about all this money that's coming into Brookside from these fees and fines. And you can really see the money <laughs> around town in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Like your story is accompanied by a picture of an anti-riot tank parked in front of, I think, City Hall and once a month, you say that if you show up, because courts only once a month, there's a line out the door of people who have been pulled over by the police and are there to figure out if there's some way out of it. What do you hear when you stand on that line with people?
1: Uh, outrage. I mean, every story is an outrage. People talk about, you know, I was ticketed for driving two miles over the speed limit or I was ticketed for running a stop sign I didn't run. Um over and over and over again. Of course, you know, the mayor says, you know, everybody's got a story and 99% of them are lying. But to be honest, uh, it's simply overwhelming, you know, especially during COVID uh, where they're not letting a lot of people in the courtroom. So they, the police direct traffic into this field and they make other people sit in the car. And the claim by a lot of those people is that while their family members are sitting in cars, the police, you know, line them up and then bring the drug sniffing dogs out into the parking lot to sniff for more drugs.
0: So it's like double dipping, like we've brought you in to contest some charge. And while you're here, we're going to sniff your car for drugs.
1: Right, exactly. And and if you go in and you agree to pay your money, you pay your money and it's over. But you know, but they also, you know, have a real uh, ability to stack charges on people like somebody was arrested for a small amount of marijuana and. Uh, and they charged him with the, the marijuana and with the rolling paper as paraphernalia that covered the joint or whatever. And, 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 so each little individual thing. Right. The baggies of paraphernalia, a tray that may have once held marijuana's paraphernalia. I mean, and so this particular case, the guy ended up having like a $12,000 fine and a $6,000 appeal bond, which is insane for just a misdemeanor you know, a drug charge, really? And so for
0: a drug that's legal in a whole bunch of states in a lot of
1: places, right? So you know, he he had a, enough money to hire to hire a lawyer who appealed. And if it goes to state court, they typically just don't show up.
0: You mean the police department just doesn't show up
1: right, right. So if you put up a fight, it's 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 as if they don't pursue it because it's just not, you know, in their profit plan.
0: they'll just take the loss, move on.
1: Right. But if you're in city court, the MO is if you plead guilty and pay, you're done. But the fee is going to be pretty outrageous. You can pay $5,000 for a series of minor traffic crimes. But if you appeal, if you, if you plead not guilty, they'll say, okay, you got to come. Well, we'll hear that later. You come back. But um, it, it's really a long, uh, arduous process to fight one of these cases. And we're, again, we're not talking about... Uh, serious crimes, we're talking about, you know, misdemeanor drug crimes and traffic offenses.
0: I want to zoom in on the story of one person who has stopped in particular, because what happened to them just seems so egregious to me on its face. So can you tell me the story of what happened to Reverend Vincent Witt?
1: So... Reverend Vincent Witt is a a black man, a preacher, a Baptist preacher, who uh, who was driving through Brookside with his wife. And he had just bought a new black Cadillac, and it still had paper tags on the back. It was, you know, within a week. And he was pulled over, and he was told that he was pulled over because he had... uh, a paper tag and because there had been a vehicle meeting matching his description, it's the Cadillac description reported as stolen. Hm. I've never seen information that, that that documented that actually that was the case, but that was what was said. And so Witt is a chaplain for Another tiny suburb in western Jefferson County, and uh, around Birmingham. And when he pulled out his license, he there's a little badge that has you know a chaplain for the city or whatever uh, on that. And uh, I, I don't know that they talked about that, but at any rate, the officer saw that. Um, but he and he ended up not giving the guy a ticket. Uh, but the guy said, "Well, you know, why did you stop me?" Um, you just stop everybody. And the guy said, you know, allegedly, according to, to Witt, the guy, you know, called him the N-word and told him to stay out of Brookside and walked off.
0: But this was not the end of Witt's ordeal with the Brookside PD, because he called up the department to complain about the way he was treated. And even though he didn't end up filing a formal report, officers seemed to have taken note. It was Reverend Witt's sister who was the first one to notice what happened next. A friend sent over a link to a website called Crime Stoppers. That's where she and her brother were both listed as fugitives.
1: It turned out that Brookside had fabricated charges that he impersonated a police officer and so did she. Because apparently they thought the woman riding in the car was her and not his wife. And so, seemingly out of revenge, this is you know based on the sheriff's belief as well as their claim in a lawsuit um, that that they simply stopped them, um, got mad that he made that complaint, looked them up, put her got her driver's license picture off a state database, and reported it to the county crime stoppers agency. When the sheriff got involved, he. He had it taken down because he knew them and he believed their story. And the Brookside police would not, you know, claim they had body cam footage, but they wouldn't show it to him.
0: This goes so far beyond a traffic stop. Like it shows how a traffic stop can really open the door to so much more. Like, first of all, traffic stop itself seems specious and then you have this kind of revenge element of the Brookside police department coming in after a complaint was filed digging up photos of people they assume are the people in question and then distributing them to crime stoppers that just seems so out of bounds
1: right it's it's really frightening and, and frankly, a lot of people are really frightened for fear of something just like that. Charging people all these high fines and fees is not necessarily illegal. Uh, I've had a couple of different legislators here who have said they've decided, you know, they want to introduce bills to address that in the coming session. But bottom line is, when you choose not to fund your government through taxes, then your government's find ways to make that money up. And and we've seen it here with all sorts of corruption, uh, but when it happens with your police department, it becomes really something else
2: entirely.
0: Back after a quick break.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: I know that you spoke to the chief of police, a guy named Mike Jones. And I was struck by his story. Because when he was hired, you've written he was the only full-time police officer and so, you know, in the ensuing years, he's hired eight additional full-time officers.
1: Well, that was prior to this month when there were six more hired. So,
0: so fourteen.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it he won't say exactly what the number is because I mean, not, transparency is not a top priority there, but um, it's it's more than ten.
0: How does the police officer per resident ratio? in Brookside compared to other places?
1: Well, based on his deposition, when he said he'd hired uh, eight more, it would have been one officer for every 144 people, way more than the national average, which would be, uh, I think it's 588, but it's somewhere along along those lines. And uh, it's dramatic, particularly as we discussed uh, in a town that... Did not report any crime for for a long time
0: hmm. I have to say it seems like a real argument for defunding the police, but is that kind of rhetoric being used at all by local people like is that how they see what's happening in their town?
1: Well, it's certainly you know they're they're saying it's uh an example of the police defunding the people, but um it's uh, it's it's certainly been used a lot on my Twitter feed, uh, but I, I don't think it's really being used in in terms of any decision makers around here about how to deal with it. I think that there are, there are legislators who are talking about making it, Ill- it illegal for uh, small towns to have this authority.
0: Yeah. Who would have the power to rein in a police department like this? Is it just voters like you need to vote in someone who's going to make changes?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the frustrations of the people of Brookside and, quite frankly, surrounding areas who may or may not be in the police jurisdiction um, because they don't feel like they have really any recourse because you got to elect people who can sort of brace against that empire that is seemingly being built out there by the police. Uh, Otherwise, the, the legislature has to act. What could they do? I mean, they could they could limit the authority of the police. They could uh, limit the amount of fines and fees that could go, you know, the percentage that can be in your city budget. They can do a few things like that. But that's where it gets politicized, I'm sure. And if you don't allow them to fund themselves, then then there has to be another way of funding, <laughs> and they're not going to come up with that.
0: I look at what's happening in Brookside And it reminds me a lot of what happened in Ferguson, Missouri. And just to remind listeners, after Michael Brown was killed, a federal investigation found police there often abused their system of fees and fines to punish black and brown communities. We haven't really talked a lot about the racial element here, but I wonder if you think that's worth bringing into the discussion. How does that play in?
1: I mean, I I think it certainly does. Based on the... um... I mean, I don't have good numbers that say X number of people arrested are white and X number of people are black. If you go into the court, I mean, there are a lot of white people, there are a lot of uh, African-Americans, and there are a lot of Hispanic people. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's in any way the sole determination. Um, but a lot of people from that area really do believe that, you know, if you're a person of color, you are a lot more likely to be brought in. Or if you have a a dirty car, or if you seem like you're poor, you're more likely to be brought in. And I think that's a real element of it. In
0: the case of Ferguson, federal prosecutors instituted something called a consent decree that allowed them to monitor the local police. John says it's possible something similar could happen in Brookside, but the town's residents are not waiting for the government to act. So far, there are at least five people suing the town, including Reverend Vincent Witt. They're hoping to change what they see as predatory policing. You know, in Brookside, it stands out to me that local leaders can't really seem to articulate why they need so many officers, like what all this extra revenue is doing for the people they serve. And I look at this and I think the case in Brookside is really simple. But I could see a case where leaders are maybe a little bit better at saying, well, these fees and fines, they make it possible to have like a local park that everyone loves. And I wonder if you think about that, too. The fact that Brookside stands out, but maybe other places could do this better. And that doesn't mean that the practice isn't problematic.
1: Yeah, I think you are dead on target with that. I mean, if I look at you know a larger, more affluent suburbs here that also line the interstate with vehicles and pull people over and have large court dates and and that sort of thing, there's not an ounce of difference in what they're doing, except that they are far more adept at not being buffoons about it, not getting so greedy that you give yourself up. And and I think that that's why Brookside is in some ways an easy target uh, because they did do it in a ham-handed sort of way. And they did grow it too quickly and too fast and so much that it just seemed like they couldn't take their hands out of the cookie jar. But at the same time, I think Brookside is really useful in showing that very thing, that anytime you allow – the people who you give guns and badges to and ask to protect and serve the ability to become revenue generators for your community, then you've opened up a Pandora's box.
0: John, I'm really grateful for your diligence in this reporting. Thanks so much for doing it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: John Archibald is a columnist for Alabama.com. That work has scored him a Pulitzer, so if you don't already read him, go check out what he's got to say. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, Carmel Dal Shad, and Mary Wilson. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Countdown Till Friday, Alison Benedict. If you are looking for something to read today, go look up Allison's piece from a few years back where she argues that if you send your kid to private school, you are a bad person. I'm Mary Harris. If you want my spicy opinions, you can find them on Twitter, at Mary's Desk. All right. Catch you tomorrow.
2: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?